we're just going to stop and just kind of whatever it is that we're doing, whatever it is that we're thinking. Um, I want everybody at the same time to I want everybody to just close your eyes. I want you to still your body, still your souls. And I'm going to read Psalm 27. And I just want you all to receive the, the Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold, the refuge of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet in this I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire and meditate in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, or false wit- for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look. I should gaze upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. God, our Lord, we come, we come physically to this place, but more than that, we approach, we approach you through the life, through the death, through the resurrection, through Jesus sitting at your right hand, we come before you and say, We are here. And in response, we hear you say to us, I am here. You are the I am. You aren't the I was or the I will be, but you are the I am. And you encompass 
all past, all present, and all future in who you are. And so as we come to you today, we ask that you be this shelter. We ask that you be the refuge. For each one of us comes to you perhaps weary, perhaps not, perhaps filled with the energy that you've given, hungry, thirsty, tired, refreshed even. And yet, Lord, you offer us all the same thing, yourself. And so today, as we look at what you have, in who you are, through what you've inspired. Let us see you. Let us know that we are seen by you. Let us love you. And let us know deeper and richer yet the love that you have for us. We ask that you bless our time together with you, with one another, that it wouldn't just be a physical presence, but that it would be a moving of the spirits with the spirit within us. And it's in our Lord Jesus name. Amen. So there's been a few things that have just stood out to me over the last month, two months now. And it's been just, a couple phrases that I'm going to share with you all. One of them is come and see. And another is consider him. Those two, those two. And with what Dave preached on and, and exposed through the word of God, that Jesus's invitation regardless of where we are and what we're going through, whether we've perceived turning and falling or not, it's always the same. It's, hey, let's go. Come and see. Come and see. So when we don't feel like we can, what do we do then? We consider Him again. Right? And again, that's a big part of why we are even here with one another. It is not for our own benefit. Yes, yes, we will receive what the Lord has for us, but it has to be first for Him and second for one another. As we receive word from the Lord, Do we just expect to receive and receive and receive or what's the next piece but to encourage one another in the consideration of Christ? So all of that has really just been coming together and we're going to attempt to tie it up and present it in something that's able to be received. So we're going to be in John chapter 1. We're going to the opposite side of the book of John that Dave preached on, where we saw the 
some of the final moments of the ministry of our Lord. But here are some of the beginning moments written, written by John, the one whom Jesus loved, who was there throughout all of it. And he writes about how Jesus is the Word, the Logos, the, like the divine expression of the Word of God for us. So starting in verse 35, we're going to go until the end of the chapter. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, meaning John the Baptist. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And here's the first one. He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? What does Philip say? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So this call, it's not just, it's not just the words. It's not just the, the spoken anything, but it's, it's always an invitation to first Jesus to the first two, where are you staying? It's just this like a simple, kind of a simple question, right? Very even physical in its nature. But where are you staying physically? Well, come and see. And so it requires a, a seeing with both like these eyes here. So then Philip says to Nathaniel, to Nathaniel's response, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And it was an invitation to come and see, not just with physical eyes. Yes, with physical eyes to come see Jesus physically, but to believe. Nathaniel doubted that anything good could come out of Nazareth. It's not just with his physical eyes given. 
but he doubted with his spiritual eyes. He couldn't see. So Philip says, Nathaniel, come and see. Back to what Dave preached both weeks. They saw a man on shore and didn't really know who it was. And then John says, it is the Lord. Why? How did he know? Because he had seen, both with his physical eyes, but he had journeyed with him and believed that it was the Lord, even, in his, even with his sight. And so this invitation to come and see, it doesn't stop with the first invitation. It's always a come and see. When we doubt purpose, when we doubt that anything is going to happen in our lives, when we doubt the current circumstances, when we doubt this, the parts of our lives that just really start to like weary us. Like that invitation just always remains. It's come and see. And so for me, this coming and seeing, it started really even on East, like even it just continued on Easter morning. Um, I'm right. I was writing about the, what that looked like, like what that would have been like. Because that coming and seeing, it starts to take pride, which is very wrapped up in ourself. And we have to start to lay it aside. I'm a skeptical person, largely. I don't believe things the first time I hear them. I take them and I hold space, but I don't latch on. And so it takes some time and um, praise God that he knows that and doesn't stop coming after me and speaking to me and exposing things in my soul and in this world that he has. But anyway, and so this coming and seeing, it, requir- it, it always requires something. Well, it's the laying down of what we think we see and what we think we know in order to not carry it. what Jesus starts to show us is that that thing of pride, that thing of self-reliance, that thing, whatever it is that we carry, it has to lead us to the death of self. And so I wrote this. The death of self is a most wonderful thing, a challenging endeavor, but a truly wonderful endeavor it is. Christ himself says that if anyone should come after me, he or she must choose the death of self, the death of flesh, to pick up the cross and follow me. But if anyone seeks to save his own life, he indeed loses it. There is no doubt that the preservation of self is at the dead heart of man. To attempt to maintain self is an equal attempt to maintain death. But the nature of choosing to let self go uncovering what is hidden and choosing to bring all things to the open light. It paradoxically brings life through self's death. The invitation to die 
to the desire to preserve self may create fear and terror at the thought of what will happen to me, what will become of me, what will happen to the current status of my life and the people and things therein. We may indeed find ourselves at crossroads of choice, but can often feel overwhelmed at being found out, possibly rejected by people, the loss of earthly gain, the exposure of depth to the light of the sun. But the journey with Christ Jesus offers life in exchange for our choosing to die to self. There are promises of being welcomed into his hands, his body, eternal treasure and blessing and healing when the light touches all things. The enemy would say, you are too far in. There is no turning back. Even if you thought there was hope in it, it's not there. The enemy of your soul says God is not good, and therefore there is no point in dying to self. And for moments, we may believe these lies. And we can all, we, but we can relate to the inner desire for freedom, for hope, for salvation. The words of Satan are chains, and they bind us to the self. And the words of Christ Jesus are wine and oil, healing when they touch. The goodness of God is what leads us to him in desires to turn. It's his goodness. His response to our choosing to die to self is one of exuberant joy like we have never known or seen. And although the endeavor of dying to self can often be difficult, then this is the part for today. Like all of that was just leading up to this. Although the endeavor of dying to self can often be difficult, it opens our eyes to see life for the first time. It opens our eyes to see life for the first time. So Easter Sunday, the women go to the tomb. It's rolled away, the stone. Jesus is no longer there. Go, like, and they go, so they go and tell. Peter and John race. Right? And who, who wins? John. John wins the race. Right? But Peter's the first one to step in. Peter has to see this coming and seeing. So, the Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of Christ Jesus, filled with unbelief and wonder and questions, they sprinted to see for themselves. In the garden, walking in and walking around, seeing springs approach. Spring is not heavy. It's not heavy-handed. Its gentility and patience demonstrates the newness we long for. From the heavy-handed, heavy-handed bitter winter, there comes a bloom of restfulness with a vibrancy that works in unison, often for the revival of the winter soul. Use your eyes to see deeper. Use your senses to view the world around you. Linger a bit longer on the blooms, on the grass, on the birds. Ask what is going on where you don't see. Spiritual seeing. All is moving, yet it rests. So God working this, these three words, come and see, is an invitation to us always. So now, I hinted at it before, 
even the word logos, I think that's the way you say it, um, it really is the divine expression of the word of God. And in Hebrews 12, the writer has just laid out an entire group of people that were considered faithful. Even though they fell, even though they failed at different points in their lives, Jesus prayed the high priestly prayer over them too, over us over the people who came after. And then when they turned, they encouraged the same way that Peter did. They encouraged the brothers. And so we see, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. Verse 2 it says, Looking to Jesus. And then in verse 3, it says, consider him. So I looked, I, looked the, like, I looked up the word consider in the Greek. And it, it has its roots in logos. And so it doesn't just mean to like see. It doesn't just mean to believe there is a logic working within it to consider Christ in all forms with the physical eyes that we have with the spiritual eyes that he's given and with logic making it all come together to consider Christ the invitation to come and see is to start to see the way that these, thre- these all work together. And so to consider him who endured from sinners, sinners such hostility against himself. So why do we do this? Why do we consider Christ? To not grow weary. Weariness is part of life. And yet, we're encouraged to intently look at the person of Jesus throughout all of it. To come and see who He is, and then to be able to believe, and then to be able to, to trust. There was a, there was, I, I think it was a psalm. Oh, I think. But normally it says like trust, like we think of it as trust in the Lord. And it says that 
everywhere. But this psalm, it, it positions two back to back. It says, my trust is in the Lord. But then the second one, it says, my trust is the Lord. That sticks out to me so much differently than my trust is in the Lord. Because that means that I can place my trust then elsewhere. And that's, it's true. Like I can trust for these other things. But if my trust is the Lord, then there is a far greater steadfast hope than I could ever do, like I could ever run from. Or I could ever, yeah, that I could ever run from. My trust being the Lord. So then it led me to ask the question, well, what's a trust? You know, I know what it's like to trust, the verb, the action, um, or I trust someone. But what is, what is a trust? So I had to do some research. Anybody who's got more for this, please add to this. So my understanding of a trust is usually something that is of value that is held in place for a beneficiary, for somebody to receive from that trust, whether it is finances or it is um, some other form of equity. But the person who is to receive the trust doesn't have to uphold the trust. They just have to enter in and be the person that the trust is for. Wait. So, so then I'm trying, to, I'm trying to, to sit and logically process through this. My brain works very logically, and yet sometimes there's just things that are above me. But if my trust is the Lord, if He is my equity, if He is my inheritance, if He is my reward, if He is the greatest thing for me, then all I have to do is come and see. Then all I have to do is come and see, and He's going to take care of the rest of it. He's going to speak things to me. He's going to reprove. He's going to rebuke. He's going to admonish. He's going to encourage. He's going to love. He's going to bless. Because that is who He is. That is our trust. Not just in whom we trust, but He is our trust. And we are the beneficiaries of that trust. And then we ask the question, well, yeah, but, but I'm li- we live in this world where it's not always like the good things that we think of with a trust, right? We, I think of a trust fund. It's like, oh, that just grows over time and it's, it's, only, it's only reward. The analogy might kind of fizzle out right there. But the same thing goes with as we continue to enter in to come and see. You said on a daily basis, one of the encouragements that Dave gave us Let me find them. Was to daily come and see. 
he didn't use that. He didn't use the words come and see, but he said the first point from the first sermon, without me, you can do nothing to seek each day to come and see every morning, every afternoon, every evening. And when we can't, we need other people to bring us to him. To other people to encourage us to him to come and see. Jesus didn't tell Nathaniel to come and see. Philip did. Philip said to Nathaniel, look at this. We found him. I don't believe it. Well, come and see then. In our unbelief, we can't always see. And we can't fix it. Sometimes we can't fix it ourselves, right? That's the, the humanistic worldview of fixing self with self. But other people with the Spirit of God can come and encourage us to come and see, to consider Him. Because no matter what, Again, the first point from the second sermon. God never tires of new beginnings. That's what spring is in most climates. It is a season of newness, a season of new beginnings. Well, why do we have all this other stuff that happens in this life? Why was this man born blind? Was it the sin of him or the sin of his mother? Well, no, it was so that way the glory of God might be shown. Well, how does that work? How do I, how do I sit in this tension of no longer and not yet? How do I endure winter for a little bit longer? By knowing and hoping that if we come and see, newness is at the door, like just knocking at the door. Newness is there, even if it doesn't, even if things don't change in our lives. Even if the thorn remains, even if the cup still has to be drank. But the invitation is to come and see. In any doubt, Jesus is not afraid of it. Any worry, any fear, any thought of what if, Jesus is not scared. We can bring everything to him as we come and see, and he will enter in in the exact way that we need it. We don't have to be afraid of chastisement when what we need is gentility. We don't have to be afraid of something else when we know we are rooted in Christ. The chastisement and discipline of the Lord is good. No discipline at the time seems like beneficial, but it proves itself over time. And it's a discipline to come and see. And it's a discipline to bring other people to come and see. Spring is physically here in Knoxville. The Spirit of God is, is here in Knoxville, in Lonsdale, in the places that we go in the lives that we live for newness to come and see again and again and again.
and we don't have to change it immediately. Nathaniel saw Jesus and didn't believe, but then Jesus says, I see you. That's what did it. In order for, I think a lot of times, in order for us, did you have something, Wade? No? Oh, no. Um, for us to, to, to see and believe, we have to also know that we're seen. How can I be seen if I don't come and see? And so it's not a works. It's not a works-based, I have to do this, do that, do this, do that. It's a, okay, I'm filled with a lot of doubt, pretty skeptical, but I'm going to step forward and I'm going to come and see. And Jesus meets Nathaniel and says, Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree. Praise God for fig trees. <laughs> Am I right? Right? Like, praise God for fig trees. That he goes from seeing Nathaniel and calling him from a fig tree to Nathaniel choosing to all, like, step, step in a little bit further next time. A little bit further, a little bit further. Because why? He saw that his trust was in the Lord and his trust was the Lord. So for us, I have to find this again. But being seen, seeing and being seen. There is such a longing in us that ardently desires perfect love. Fairy tale stories attempt to capture. Hollywood catches glimpses of a picturesque perfection. But when we find ourselves involved with a love that isn't perfect, what then? We go on searching for it. Our inability to love one another perfectly can sting or wound at times. But it cannot be expected not to sting or wound. We are not capable of demonstrating, to, of always demonstrating perfect love, no matter how much we might want to. But an equally difficult task is to receive the very love we long for. To be loved and known. We deeply desire but realize the cost of such a love. It requires ourselves to be seen. To show the deepest parts of us, even the ones we don't much like or the ones that terrify us about ourselves. But when perfect love casts out fear, it allows the fear of being known to fall away with the hope of being seen. 
being known, and still being loved. That love exists. We have to be willing to allow ourselves to be seen. The love of Christ demonstrates such a love, and, his inv- and He invites us to come and see and to come and be seen. He knows all of it. And all He says is, consider me as you come and see. And I'm going to work through all of life with you. And I'm going to put people in your lives to help. I'm going to put a husband or a wife or a mother or a father or a brother or a sister. And what is the verse that says, I was just talking about this this morning. What is the verse that says, who is my mother? Who is my brother? But we gain a family of mothers and brothers and sisters and fathers when soon as we enter in. And so... The, there's five words. Come and see. Consider him. Amen. Lord, when we... When we see you, it says that we are seeing the image of God, the exact representation of the character and the nature of God. The radiance of your glory, Lord, that Moses looked at and his face had to be covered. We see that in Jesus. I pray, I pray over each one of us, not just people here physically, but I pray over your people. I pray over those who are at various places of following you, various levels of commitment, various years of walking with you, whether it be a moment or most of their lifetime. I pray that we would see the invitation to always come and see that we are able to freely ask you the questions that are on our minds, questions that are on our hearts. Mm -hmm. And as we consider you, we consider the Christ, we are then able to say, it is the Lord And we are able to be known and loved regardless. And I pray that we would see you all the more as we step in. As we hear the knock that Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Let us open. Open that door. And open that door and open that door over and over again. We thank you for we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you have shown us how to live 
and that you don't just drop us the moment we say something or do something or think something or feel something, but you work always with us to meet us in those moments of doubt, meet us in those moments of agony, meet us in those moments of weeping, and you meet us in the moments that are filled with joy and expression and smiles and laughter. There is no place that you are afraid of going. I pray that over each one of us as well, that there would not be a place with you that we are afraid to go. Physically, spiritually in our lives and intimacy with you and relationally with one another that we would walk with you as we encourage each other to come and see and to consider Christ who for all the shame and all the ridicule and all the suffering set before him endured and knows exactly what we're going through. Jesus, we stand in your resurrection with you. We thank you that you are seated at the right hand, that you are coming again, and that at the right hand of God the Father, there is pleasure forevermore, and that there is joy in your presence. So I pray that we would have that in the full, that you have called for us to have, that we would have that even in the the moments and the days and the weeks and the months and the years and of of this life that can sometimes seem anything but. So I pray that you would bless us, that you would keep us, that your face would shine on us, that you would keep us from stumbling. This is from you and through you and to you. Amen.